In today's episode, I wanted to open up our Bibles and dig into the story of Sarah, originally named Sarai, and her journey of trying to conceive. I believe that there are things that she did well, and there are things that lessons learned that we can learn from her story. There is a reason that scripture includes her story of trying to conceive with Abram and their whole journey, the good and the bad. And I want to dive into that today because I truly believe that God has something for each one of us in their story today. So let's get started. Hey friends, welcome to the Waiting Well podcast. I am your host, Courtney Dunker, and you are here because your journey to motherhood has not looked the way that you always imagined. It has held heartbreak, loneliness, and questions like, why me, God? I'm here to remind you that you do not have to walk this road alone. And here, we can wait well together. Each week, I will share faith-based encouragement from my own infertility journey, provide information from guest experts on navigating infertility and conceiving, powerful testimonies, and top tips on stewarding your health and emotional well-being through this demanding journey. So if you are ready to take back control of your life, find peace with God, join the in-between spaces, and thrive in your waiting season, then meet me at the well, girl. Grab that warm chocolate chip cookie, a little bit of unicorn juice or iced coffee. We've got some intentional growth to do. Let's get it. Just to give a little history lesson, because I actually did not know this. I found this when I was doing some research for this episode. Sarah was actually enslaved in Egypt when the Israelites were enslaved there. Ultimately, she was part of the releasing after God sent the plagues. And she was someone who was unable to have children for most of her life. She actually used Hagar, her servant, as quote unquote, like a modern day surrogate to birth Ishmael. But at 90 years old, God actually blessed her with the birth of her son, Isaac, who was literally born of her womb. I know that Sarah and Abram's conception journey is probably a pretty well-known biblical story, but I do believe there's pieces of it that I think we can really pull out and just be like, wow, like that is new. That is a new little nugget that we learned, especially as we go about our trying to conceive journey, because there are things that even though it wasn't exactly modern, I think it translates into what we would do in today's day and age. And there's so much, so much gold in this is what I want to say. So let's dive in. In Genesis 21, we see that God actually visited Sarah. So she had been trying to conceive. I don't know. They're like 90 years old at this point. They're so old. And I couldn't even imagine like being in, you know, my late 50s or 60s, let alone in my 90s and still having that desire to be a mom, which is just crazy that she still kind of had that desire and hadn't given up on it. Of course, you know, numerically, who knows what the ages and all really represent? Like, do we actually know that 90 represented what 90 is today? I don't know. But not going to dig into those weeds. Right now, I wanted to dig into Genesis 21, 1 through 8. And it says, God visited Sarah exactly as he said he would. God did to Sarah what he promised. Sarah became pregnant and gave Abraham a son in his old age at the very time that God had said. Abraham named him Isaac. When his son was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him just as God had commanded. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born. Sarah said, God has blessed me with laughter and all who get to hear the news will laugh with me. 
She also said, whoever would have suggested to Abram that Sarah would one day nurse a baby, yet here I am. I've given that old man a son. The baby grew and was weaned. Abraham threw a big party on the day Isaac was weaned. If we look back a couple chapters ago, it says in chapter 18 that God had actually appeared to Abraham and that he was sitting at the entrance of his tent. It was the hottest part of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing there. And he went up to them and said, let me get you some refreshments. They said, yes. He hurried into the tent, said, hurry, get the best flour, knead it, make the bread. So he's telling Sarah to make this food. He goes up and he starts taking care of the visitors. And the men say to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he says, in the tent. One of them says to Abraham, I'm coming back around this time next year. When I arrive, your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Of course, Sarah's doing what most of us women do. She is eavesdropping. And she was listening at the tent opening just behind the man. When she was told this, Sarah was laughing to herself. And she said, an old woman like me getting pregnant with this old man of a husband. And then God, of course, hears her laughter. And God said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh saying, me have a baby? Is anything too hard for God? I will be back at this time next year and Sarah will have a baby. Sarah lied and she said, I didn't laugh. And he said, yes, you did. You laughed. Okay, so I want to start here because I think something that I really struggled with when I was trying to conceive is, number one, this weight and guilt of, did I do something to cause this? Did I have some kind of sin? Did I, is this like a punishment? I think the idea that, you know, there's obviously sin is not led without punishment. However, the point of Jesus Christ coming on the cross is to pay for that punishment. And so anyway, I know for me, like the first few years of navigating, trying to conceive and going through infertility, not getting pregnant, I really battled with God of, is this a punishment? Did I do something wrong? Like I looked back and I felt like I can only see myself, you know, being the good Christian girl. Like even if you hadn't, you know, walked with the Lord up until that point, like I think it's easy to think that our actions have spurred on this idea of a punishment, that that's why we can't get pregnant. And I just want to relieve us from that pressure because that is, honestly, that's the enemy. And it's also a reality of what we can see here in Sarah's story. It's the first thing that I want to point out is that God was so gracious. Infertility was not her punishment. He was actually so gracious to say, you don't believe that this can happen. And I'm not going to hold that against you. I'm actually going to still continue to move forward because this child is meant to come about through your lineage, through you and Abram. And I think sometimes we honestly get into this space of God is not hearing me. God does not care. But really, he's just planning the timing of your child's life. So the first lesson here is that no matter what your history has looked like with God, whether you have walked every step of the way with the God and you're like, why are you punishing me? Why am I going through this? And you're mad at him. Or maybe you haven't really walked with the Lord at all and now you're coming to him on your knees because this is the first huge battle that you're coming against and you realize that you need you need him, like you need somebody and you're realizing that God is real. It doesn't matter what your history is. Your journey of infertility and trying to conceive is not matched to your history. It's not matched to to your sin. It is literally God's grace that he gives children to any of us. And I think that's easy. It's an easy cop out to want to like blame something other than God's timing because that's hard to accept. But if we can find something tangible to blame, that 
that is easier, but blaming, you know, past history, blaming punishment, blaming sin, that's actually going to create more of a barrier between you and God and more distance between you and God because you're going to feel unworthy. And he came that you might feel worthy in his presence. Like he washed away all of our sins through Jesus Christ, through the blood of the lamb. And that's what we can see in Sarah's beautiful story is that God, she laughed at God and said, I don't believe that. That's then like, she's literally not trusting God. And then she lied about it, which is also sin. She lied straight to God's face was like, I did not laugh. Mm -mm, You did not hear me correctly. And God in his abundant grace, his goodness was like, I'm still going to give you this child and I'm not going to withhold it from you despite your sin. So I think that should release any pressure or pain that we feel around this idea of sin and punishment and wrapped up into our infertility journeys because God's grace shows us otherwise through his story and through this story. I think the second thing that we can see from Sarah's story is her immediate like panic and when she stopped believing. So God had promised her something. God had promised her a child. When that was not coming to pass, she started panicking about the lineage, you know, back then like having a male heir was a big deal. So she gives her servant over to her husband and then holds bitterness towards the two of them, specifically the woman and her son that, you know, is conceived from that experience, Hagar and Ishmael. And what we see here is that going through infertility and trying to conceive, we should never let that difficult road be what erodes our marriage. And at all costs, we should be protecting and guarding our marriages where God, we are literally coming together. We are facing that battle together as one flesh, because that's what happens when you get married. You become one flesh. Sarah did not choose to do that. She chose to try to solve the problem on her own. She chose to not wait on God's timing because she felt desperate and she felt like she could change the situation. Again, it's like that desire of control. I was actually having that conversation with, um, a coaching client of mine who booked one of my one-on-one calls down below. In the show notes, you can book a one-on-one call with me. We can talk about your journey, all of that good stuff. And we were talking about just this need for control. It original originates when Eve was in the garden and she was told by the serpent, like, eat this and you will know all the things that God knows, blah, blah, blah. Like that desire, it wasn't the food that was enticing. It was the control that was the most enticing for her to want to reach out and be like, okay, I'm going to eat this apple and eat of this fruit that God told us not to eat from this tree. That disobedience comes from that desire of control. And it's the same thing here with Sarah, the disobedience, the acting in her own will, because we have free will as children of God. We have free will, free reign. We can do whatever we want. We can go out there and we can chase until the cows come home trying to conceive and we can spend all the money and do all the treatments and try all the things. But at the end of the day, if we are not walking in surrender of God's plan for our conception journey, we will have no peace the whole time and we will be totally devastated each time it doesn't work. When really, if you're walking with the Lord to be able to go through each step and you're like, okay, Lord, do you have this you know, fertility treatment? Do you want us to pursue this? And he gives you the green light, even if he leaves that unfulfilled. Like Josh and I felt peace to move forward with IUI. We had two failed IUI attempts. 
Does that mean that that wasn't God's will? No, I truly felt like we walked in surrender to that decision and came to a place where we felt God's peace to move forward with that. That failure was not because God did not say to do it. It was just simply part of the process. And because we had moved in surrender, I truly believe we were able to have peace and find God in the brokenness of the failure of the two attempts because we had actually asked him first if we should move ahead. When we're just moving ahead and making our own decisions and making our own plans, God's peace is not really in that because it really wasn't a decision that he is blessing. It's not a decision that he opened the door for. Does that make sense? So anyways, the desire for control, I believe we see that very strongly in Sarah's story here where she is just trying to throw noodles at the wall and see what sticks. And honestly, that is not walking in surrender with the Lord. Like, I don't believe that every story is going to end with IVF, that every person who struggles to conceive should choose that. I don't believe that because I truly feel like God has different journeys and different yeses and nos for each couple. But choosing to not control that and then waste your marriage or hurt your marriage or not listen to your spouse for whatever reason because they feel strongly that you shouldn't move ahead, but you feel strongly that you should move ahead, especially as women, we have to go back to the origination of sin. Like Our desire was to have control. It wasn't the husband who made that decision. It was the wife. It was the woman. So in these decision-making moments, never sacrifice the unity of your marriage, the peace of your marriage, and the love and intimacy of growing in your marriage for the sake of trying to conceive because you will be left even more brokenhearted and marriages can really suffer on this journey if we are not putting that priority first on tackling this journey together as a as a one flesh if Josh feels zero peace about moving forward with IVF we're not doing it I'm not going over his head. I'm not pushing him like a bulldozer because it's what I need. It's what I want. I am choosing to surrender to him as the head of the house. That's so hard to do, but we see that in Sarah's story that when we step outside of God's peace to move forward in a decision, we create more chaos. We create more pain and more heartache than our story needed to have. I think finally what we can reap from this story of Sarah and Isaac and Abram is that God will fulfill the words that he's spoken to us. I genuinely felt like the Lord had told me that I would be a mom. Like there wasn't a part of me that doubted that. I didn't know how. I didn't know if it was going to be via adoption or some other crazy path. I honestly had no clue how, but I really, really believed that we would become parents one day. I had peace that if we didn't, if that's not what he had for me, we had peace. But just because God's timing is not what my timing is doesn't mean that he is not currently working behind the scenes to fulfill that promise that he has to you. At the end of the day, if we look at scripture, it says that it is our calling to reproduce and fill the earth. That's part of scripture. I believe that God did not intend for humanity and for especially for his children to walk through infertility, to walk through these battles of trying to conceive. I do believe that the enemy is going to use that as a tactic to discourage us, to divide us, to hurt our marriages, to kill, steal, and destroy peace. Because what happens when someone is just anxious, worked up, focused on something they can't control, convinced that maybe they can control it, and devastated the whole time? They're rendered 
ineffective for the kingdom of God. God put us on this earth to make an impact, to be the salt and the light, to be a vessel for his kingdom. And when we're so distracted by our stolen hope, our destroyed marriages, our you know, beaten and battered hearts, then we're not actually showing up to the capacity or the mission field that God has called us to. We cannot let the enemy rob us of our ministry and our mission field and what God has called us to do on the day-to-day just because he has not yet, important words, not yet fulfilled that desire to be a mom or to be a dad or to have children. I do believe that God's timing is perfect. I see it so, so easily in my story now. I mean, vision looking back is 2020, right? Like vision in hindsight is 2020. When we were overseas in the first five years of trying to conceive, like I look back and I'm like that, I don't know how I would have built my business while living overseas with zero help, Josh gone all the time, me battling parts of depression because I was overseas with no community, then me going through infertility and then conceiving, like if that would have happened at that point, I have serious questions to if that would have been the best path for me, even though that's what I was asking for. Because that's what I felt was the right thing for us. But looking back, I see how God's timing was so perfect for us to be in Hawaii. My parents, like crazy story too, moved here as well. Our church community, our friend community, the mom's group that I'm a part of, like God's timing and all of that is so clear and so intentional and so loving. Like his love is so evident in how he withheld our conceiving so that we could be in the position that we're in to truly thrive in parenting. And we can't see that in the in-between. We can't see that when we're just stuck in the trench of like, why aren't you answering God? He's not revealing that all the time. But I truly feel like when we look back, God's timing is always perfect. It doesn't make sense in the moment. But it also doesn't mean that he is not faithful and that he's not going to follow through. A big part of this journey is learning to take every thought captive. And that's why I'm going to be hosting a little masterclass Zoom call that you can enroll for, where I'm going to be teaching you basically how to acknowledge this journey, acknowledge the emotional aspects that come with trying to conceive. But I'm going to give you a tactical tool, walk you through how we can use scripture to take our thoughts captive and find a way to have comfort and healing along your trying to conceive journey. So if you're interested in enrolling for that masterclass, even if you cannot make the masterclass live, there will be a recording that I will send out. So you just head down to the show notes. There will be a link where you can sign up for this. I will be talking about it over the next few weeks so that you know to enroll for it. This is going to be an incredible Zoom class that I'm offering. Um, So I would absolutely love for you to jump on because this is basically what I'm teaching in my one-on-one coach client sessions with women who are going through infertility. And it has been such a powerful, habitual journey that these ladies are changing their habits and their tactics through this tool that I'm going to teach you and really finding healing and comfort on their journey. I would love that for you. So head to the show notes, sign up, and I'll see you there. Thank you guys so much for tuning in for this week's episode. I hope that you found just encouragement from Sarah's story. Again, just recapping number one, that our sin 
is not punishment. Like our infertility is not punishment from sin or our history. Like God's grace has dealt with that at the cross. Number two, not sacrificing anything, even trying to conceive a child, that unity of our marriage and protecting that at all costs and really being intentional about this desire for control over our conception journey. And then number three, knowing that God is working even when you feel like his timing is not right now and that he is faithful to that calling. I am so glad that you chose to meet me at the well today. If this episode inspired you, changed you, or blessed you in some way, I would love for you to do one of two things. First, head to Apple Podcasts at that link below and leave a review. And second, screenshot this episode and share it in your stories, tagging me at Sewn With Strength or text it on over to a friend that this episode might bless. These are the number one ways to thank me. I am truly so grateful to be building out this community and I cannot wait to see you on the next episode. Until then, go get a workout done for me and I will see you right back here at the Waiting Well Podcast.